Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 78. Today we begin our look at the book of 1 Samuel, and we'll meet the person this book is named after in the first chapter and second chapter as well. He'll play a big role in this book, but he plays a big role alongside people like King Saul and King David. And what we'll see in our passage today, as well as in Psalm 120 and in Acts chapter 5, is this idea of how do you trust God in trials, in difficult times. We'll see this in the life of Hannah. We'll see this also in the Psalm 120, the cry of distress from there, and in how the disciples going through hard things in difficult times keep trusting God through it all. So what does that look like? How does that work? Let's read our passages and see what God has to say to us today. 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a man from Ramathiam, Sophim, from the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah. He was the son of Jeroram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the first was Hannah, and the name of the second was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man would go up from this, his city year after year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at Shiloh. It was there the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, served the lords as the Lord's priests. The day came, and Elkanah sacrificed. Now, he used to give meat portions to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved Hannah, although the Lord had not enabled her to have children. Her rival used to aggravate her to the point of exasperation just to irritate her, since the Lord had not enabled her to have children. This is how it would go year after year. As often as she went up to the Lord's house, Peninnah would offend her in that way. So she cried and refused to eat. Then her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why are you crying and why won't you eat? Why are you so upset? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah got up after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. At the time, Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's sanctuary. As for Hannah, she was very distressed. She prayed to the Lord and was in fact weeping. And she made a vow saying, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you would truly look on the suffering of your servant and would keep me in mind and not neglect your servant and give your servant a male child, then I will dedicate him to the Lord all the days of his life. His hair will never be cut. It turned out that she did a great deal of praying before the Lord. Meanwhile, Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her mind, only her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. So Eli thought she was a drunkard. Then he said to her, How much longer do you intend to get drunk? Put away your wine. But Hannah replied, Not so, my lord. I am a woman under great deal of stress. I haven't drunk wine or beer, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Don't consider your servant a wicked woman. It's just that to this point I have spoken from my deep pain and anguish. Eli replied, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. She said, May I, your servant, find favor in your sight. 
So the woman went away and got something to eat. Her face was no longer sad. They got up early the next morning. Then they worshipped the Lord and returned to their home in Ramathiam. Alcana was intimate with his wife Hannah, and the Lord called her to mind. Then Hannah became pregnant. In the course of time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, thinking, I asked the Lord for him. Then the man Alcana and all his family went up to make the yearly sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go up with them because she had told her husband, Not until the boy is weaned. Then I will bring him so that he may appear before the Lord, and he will remain there from then on. Then her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what you think best. Stay until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord fulfill his promise. So the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Then she took him up with her as soon as he had, she had weaned him, along with three bowls, an ephah of flour, and a container of wine. She came to the Lord's house at Shiloh, and the boy was with them. They slaughtered the bull, then they brought the boy to Eli. She said, My Lord, just as surely as you are alive, my Lord, I am the woman who previously stood here with you in order to pray to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me the request that I have asked of him. So I also dedicate him to the Lord. For all the days of his life he is dedicated to the Lord. Then he bowed down there in worship to the Lord. And then Hannah prayed, saying, My heart has rejoiced in the Lord. My horn has been raised high because of the Lord. I have loudly denounced my enemies. Indeed, I rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one other than you. There is no rock like our God. Don't keep speaking so arrogantly. Proud talk should not come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God who knows. He evaluates what people do. The bows of warriors are shattered, but those who stumbled have taken on strength. The well-fed hire themselves out to earn food, but the hungry no longer lack. Even the barren woman has given birth to seven, but the one with many children has declined. The Lord both kills and gives life. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord impoverishes and makes wealthy. He humbles and he exalts. He lifts the weak from the dust. He raises the poor from the ash heap to set them with the princes. He bestows on them an honored position. The foundations of the earth belong to the Lord. He placed the world on them. He watches over his holy ones, but the wicked are made speechless in the darkness, for it is not by one's strength that one prevails. The Lord shatters his adversaries. He thunders against them from the heavens. The Lord executes judgments to the ends of the earth. He will strengthen his king and exalt the power of his anointed one. Then Elkanah went back home to Ramah. The boy Samuel was serving the Lord with the favor of Eli the priest. But the sons of Eli were wicked men. They did not acknowledge the Lord's authority. This was the priest's routine with the people. Whenever anyone was making a sacrifice, the priest's attendant would come up with a three-pronged fork in his hand just as the meat was boiling. He would jab into it the basin, kettle, cauldron, or pot. Everything that the fork would bring up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they used to treat all the Israelites who came there to Shiloh. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's attendant would come and say to the person who was making the sacrifice, Give me some meat for the priest to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the individual said to him, They should certainly burn the fat away first, then take for yourself whatever you wish, then he would say, No, give it now. If not, I'll take it by force. The sin of these young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. Now Samuel was ministering with the favor of the Lord. The boy was dressed in a linen ephod. 
His mother used to make him a small robe and bring it to him from time to time when she would go up with her husband and make the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord establish descendants for you from this woman in place of the one she has dedicated to the Lord. Then they would go to their home. And indeed, the Lord attended to Hannah. She got pregnant and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. But the boy Samuel grew up before the Lord. Eli was very old, and he would hear about everything that his sons used to do to all the people of Israel and how they used to go to bed with the women who were stationed at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do these things, these evil things that I hear about from all these people? No, my sons, for the report that I hear circulating among the Lord's people is not good. If a man sins against a man, one may appeal to God on his behalf. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But Eli's sons would not listen to their father. Indeed, the Lord had decided to kill them. However, the boy Samuel was growing up and finding favor both with the Lord and with people. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord has said. I plainly revealed myself to your ancestors' house when they were slaves to the house of Pharaoh in Egypt. I chose your ancestor from all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifice on my altar, to burn incense, and to bear the ephod before me. I gave to your ancestors' house all the fire offerings made by the Israelites. Why are you scorning my sacrifice and my offering that I commanded for my dwelling place? You have honored your sons more than you have me by having made yourselves fat from the best parts of the offerings of my people, Israel. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I really did say that your house and your ancestors' house would serve me forever. But now the Lord says, may it never be, for I will honor those who honor me, but those who despise me will be cursed. In fact, days are coming when I will remove your strength and the strength of your father's house. There will not be an old man in your house. You will see trouble in, your, in my dwelling place. Israel will experience blessings, but there will not be an old man in your house for all time. Any man of yours that I do not cut off from my altar, I will cause his eyes to fail and will cause him grief. All those born to your family will die by the sword of man. This will be a confirming sign for you that will be fulfilled through your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. In a single day, they will both die. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. He will do what is in my heart and soul. I will build for him a lasting dynasty, and he will serve my chosen one for all time. Everyone who remains in your house will come to bow before him for a little money and for a scrap of bread. Each will say, Assign me to a priestly task so I can eat a scrap of bread. Sad to see how this story is uh, turning. We see this big contrast between Samuel and between the Hophni and Phinehas sons of Eli. And the story will continue on in the next episode. But we see here already a sense of what it means in the life of Hannah to trust God in trials, to trust him through the difficult, painful times. And we see this also in Psalm 120, just a short psalm, but a psalm that shows the way that we can pour our hearts out just like Hannah did to God in our times of distress and know that he hears. So Psalm 120, a song of ascents. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me. I said, O Lord, rescue me from those who lie with their lips and those who deceive with their tongues. How long will he severely punish you, you deceptive talker? Here's how, with the sharp arrows of warriors, with the arrowheads forged over the hot coals. How miserable I am, for I have lived temporarily in Meshech. I have resided among the tents of Kedar. 
For too long, I have had to reside with those who hate peace. I am committed to peace, but when I speak, they want to make war. So you hear this guy crying out for God to rescue him because he's in the middle of a war that he doesn't want to be part of, that is unjust. And as he calls out, he realizes that God is the only one who can ultimately answer that call, that he is the one he needs to keep trusting in the middle of his distress. And that brings us to Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with Sapphira his wife, sold a piece of property. He kept back for himself part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge. He brought only part of it and placed it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourselves part of the proceeds from the sale of the land? Before it was sold, did it not belong to you? And when it was sold, was the money not at your disposal? How have you thought up this deed in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he collapsed and died. And great fear gripped all who heard about it. So the young men came, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, but she did not know what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me, were the two of you paid this amount for the land? Sapphira said, Yes, that much. Peter then told her, Why have you agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. At once she collapsed at his feet and died. So when the young men came in, They found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the whole church and all who heard about these things. Now, just a quick little note, you might be saying, what is the problem? Why did they have to give all the money? The problem is they didn't have to give all the money, but they were pretending and acting like they had given all the money from the sale to make themselves look good. They could have given half or part or whatever of it, but they were trying to make it look like they had given all the money from the sale, just like other people were doing. And so this wasn't really about giving to God. This was really about making a reputation for themselves. And Peter was basically calling them out on this because the Holy Spirit was making it clear to him that they were lying. Continuing on, verse 12. Now many miraculous signs and wonders came about among the people through the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they were all meeting together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high honor. More and more believers in the Lord were added to their number, crowds of both men and women. Thus they even carried out the sick into the streets and put them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow would fall on some of them. A crowd of people from the towns around Jerusalem also came together, bringing the sick and those troubled by unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Now the high priest rose up, and all those with him, that is, his, the religious party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the prison, led them out, and said, Go, and stand in the temple courts, and proclaim to the people all the words of this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple courts at daybreak and began teaching. Now when the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they summoned the Sanhedrin, that is, the whole high council of the Israelites, and they sent to the jail to have the apostles brought before them. But the officers who came for them did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the jail locked securely and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the commander of the temple guard and the chief priests heard this report, they were greatly puzzled concerning it, wondering how this could be. 
But someone came and reported to them, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple courts and teaching the people. Then the commander of the temple guard went with the officers and brought the apostles without the use of force, for they were afraid of the people stoning them in the court. When they had brought them, they stood before the council and the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than people. The God of our forefathers raised up Jesus, whom you seized and killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these events, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now when they heard this, they became furious and wanted to execute them. But a Pharisee, whose name was Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the council and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then he said to the council, Men of Israel, pay close attention to what you are about to do to these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and nothing came of it. After him, Judas the Galilean arose in the days of the census and incited people to follow him in revolt. He too was killed, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in this case, I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone, because if this plan or this undertaking originates with people, it will come to nothing. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them, or you may even be found fighting against God. He convinced them, and they summoned the apostles and had them beaten. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. So they left the council rejoicing because they had been considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day, both in the temple courts and from house to house, they did not stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Christ. What a wonderful display of these apostles willingly actually rejoicing to suffer, to go through distress. Why? Because they knew that Jesus, the risen Savior, was the one who would give them the courage and the strength to do so, and they knew that their lives were safe and secure in belonging to him, united to him. And so my prayer is that that would be the case for my life and for your life as you listen to this, that as you see the wonder of Jesus, united to him by faith, you too would have the courage to face even the most difficult times because you're trusting in him. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-